The following message has been brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on the web at trinitybc.org. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, uh, not in a way that we would have anticipated, not in a way that the Jewish nation anticipated, the Israelites, as they looked for a Messiah, but in God's sovereign way lowly way, in a humble way, God came and provided a way for your salvation, for my salvation. I want you to imagine, remember, you don't have to imagine for most all of you, remember in your life the last time that it was that you held a newly born baby. Some of you it's been quite recently. Um, Others, it might have been a long while ago. Uh, maybe a newborn around 40 days of age, because that's how old Jesus would have approximately been in the passage we're about to look to. But and for us, that would be when moms get a little more protected. You know, the doctors say keep your baby for a couple weeks at the house. And usually it's about that time, maybe 40 days, a little thereafter, that they start venturing out. And, and you see these little, little tiny human beings. And I know, even with my own kids, you feel like they're so delicate, even though in one way, like the doctors don't treat them like they are and kind of pick them up and throw them all over. But, but when you hold a precious newborn baby, you know, you're holding that, that, that little tiny infant and the little tiny fingers. And I've always been amazed even at little tiny fingernails and just how delicate that small child I can remember holding my firstborn. Really, every time I hold a kid, you kind of think back to that first kid. Most of us probably do. And just that having a newborn with you 24-7. And you, you, you may have had those nights like I had where you're in the middle of the night and it's 3 a.m. and the little blessing is screaming its head off. And, and you're just wondering, like, you, your mind has to stay active, awake somehow. And so you, you think, like, what is this child going to be like? What is his going to be like? Is he going to be more like mom or is he going to be more like dad or or maybe like neither one of us at all, is what, what's he going to do in his life? What is he going to accomplish in his life? What's he going to be like when he's 40 years old? All of these thoughts might enter your mind. Imagine being one who held the newborn Jesus Christ. Imagine the mystery of knowing that this child is the the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah who was promised all the way through the Old Testament, that this, this little infant baby was the Lord incarnate, Emmanuel, with us. Now we know so much this side of the life of Christ. We saw His life unfold and we have it recorded and we see it through the record of the the gospels what jesus would come to accomplish and what he would ultimately do to bring about our redemption even the the death of crucifixion the death of the cross and his burial and his resurrection you know that many in that day holding jesus even those like mary and joseph who knew that he was the christ they, they had no idea what was to come They had no idea the ultimate reasoning for which Jesus came. But there's one man, an older man, we guess by the context of what he has to say, an older man who was given a word by God through the Spirit of God about the Messiah, and even about what the Messiah's life would entail. 
a man that I would say knew more about Jesus as he held this small infant child than any other person on planet Earth at that time. That man's name is Simeon. Luke chapter 2. We find this description of, of a story that could have even just been overlooked. The other Gospels don't mention it. A story that Luke could have overlooked and yet, God led him to include it in his gospel narrative and the, the story of the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a story that we could pass over without giving much thought to. However, we would miss much if we did so. So this morning, I want us to focus on of this man, Simeon, of this word from God that he received of the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he got to see the Christ. That in his lifetime, the Messiah would come and he would get to see the Messiah. Uh, the Messiah was the long-awaited Redeemer, the one who would restore Israel, the one who would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this man was given a word from God that in his lifetime, he would see the Christ. We don't know how long he waited. I think the text does imply that he was an older man. I, I kind of hold to that. It's speculative, but he does say when he sees Jesus, now I can die, I can depart in peace. That, that kind of gives an idea that perhaps he was at that age of, of the average lifespan coming to an end. He was up in age, has been the traditional understanding. We don't know how long he had been waiting. We don't know if he was given this word as a younger man. And, and, and day after day, year after year, he had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Christ. But what we do know is that God gave him this word. He was waiting for the Christ. And when Mary and Joseph come in, God's Spirit prompts his heart. And he knows this is the one for whom waiting. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 22. Now when the days of her, that is Mary's, purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him, that is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so this is under uh, the tradition of the Old Testament law, that the firstborn was an offering to the Lord, and there was even a redemption sacrifice that was made um, to just that child before the Lord, as the Levites now would serve him full time. And then there was also a purification offering that Mary would offer under the law after that 40-day period after her delivery. And so we, we see Mary and Joseph were ones who were following the ways of God. They were following the law of the Lord. And this is the family to whom the Christ is birthed, is, is brought into this world through the Virgin Mary. And so they're there at the temple performing what the law requires. And to offer, verse 24, a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle dove, two young pigeons. And so we know even by what was offered, the poverty Mary and Joseph. They did not offer the, the, the required offering that costs more money. There was a, a means built into the law even where uh, uh, the, those that did not have the financial ability to purchase what the law required could offer the lesser expensive option, even though it was still a great sacrifice and an offering. So they offered the lesser of that which was financially required. In verse 25, here we find Simeon. And behold, 
there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, saying to Mary, yes, Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be healed. Simeon knew some great truths about this infant child that was called Jesus. And Simeon, in this prophetic proclamation, utters these words as a, a blessing, but also as a proclamation to all who were hearing. A blessing to Joseph and Jesus, but, but utters these words for all to hear. And the Gospel writer Luke records these words even for our admonition, for our learning, for our instruction this Christmas season, this morning even. And we may learn some great truths about who this is that we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. I want you to see, first of all, notice that Simeon knew this child brought consolation. This child he calls the consolation of Israel. And to, to give you an application here, that, that is a call as we recognize, first of all, the characteristics of who Jesus is and the work at which he accomplishes. That, that it, it, it doesn't, it's not meant to just no truth about God and leave it unchanged. It calls us to action. And so the call to action, as we think about this title even given to Christ, the consolation of Israel, is that we are called to find our comfort in Him. We're called to rest in Him this morning. The consolation of Israel. You find that title in verse 25. Even Luke just telling us that this is whom... Uh, the, uh, Simeon was waiting for it. He was waiting, it says, verse 25, for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now that word consolation, you hear the word console in it, as you think of what it means to console someone who is in grief, comfort. Jesus is the, the comfort, the comforter even, of Israel. He is the one who can console, the one who can bring an eternal rest, even in the then restful time. You've been with us on Wednesday nights. We've been walking through the Old Testament and through all the Old Testament prophets even. And what we have found and seen over and over again is just how unrestful the people of God were through the Old Testament. 
Even as they come into the promised land, freed of Egypt, they come in and they, they don't obey God and they don't drive out all the people that they were supposed to drive out and they would be an, an ongoing plague against the people of God. Even still today, they're experiencing the, the things that are going on right now in Palestine and Israel because of disobedience all the way back in this day. And so from the very beginning, the people of God lacked the obedience that, that was required of them under this covenant that God had made with them. They, they were disobedient to, to not try they should have done. They soon embraced idolatry. They soon disregarded the law. They, they soon embraced all sorts of injustice and immorality. And God would bring a number of prophets to them to try to lead them to repentance and ultimately even the Babylonian captivity, a judgment of God. All of this to just show you that, that Israel for a long while had not had peace. Israel for a long while had been living under the consequences of their sins, even as people, and they had not ever regained the peace and prosperity that they experienced under David and under Solomon. They, they through the Babylonian captivity, through even the being brought back into the land and in the, the recent time frame, just prior to Jesus' birth, the, the Roman Empire had come in and Rome had conquered Jerusalem, Rome's real. They were a captive people to the Roman Empire. They were paying tithe, uh, tributes to, to, to Caesar. They hadn't lived. They were longing for true rest. They were longing for true comfort. They were longing for the redemption and the restoration that had been promised over and over again through the Old Testament that would come through the Messiah, that would come through the, the person and work of the, the promised King of Kings, this greater Savior. Simeon had been waiting for this one. Simeon, it was before you die, you will see, you will see this day, you Christ child, you will see the Lord anointed. He sought the consolation of Israel and notice his first words. His first words when he begins this song of praise in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in what? Say it aloud. Peace. You're letting your servant depart in peace because you have done all that you said you would do. You're letting me depart in peace according to your word. That for so long, Simeon, Simeon's peace was not by sight, but by faith in the word of God. And he, he trusted God and he believed that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed. And now the word of God was fulfilled in his life and he's seeing the Christ child and he's holding this little infant that he knew by the Spirit of God was the Messiah, was Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate. And he proclaims, God, I have peace. I can die now in peace. He found the consolation of Israel. He was holding, even in that infant child, one who is the Prince of Peace. The one who can bring true eternal rest, true eternal comfort to our every need, to our every suffering. You know, a lot of people have a hard time during the Christmas season because of, just because of the brokenness of this world, the brokenness of this life. We're not in a new effort. We're not in the place where God has wiped every tear from our eye and pain and suffering and death are no more. That day is coming, praise God. But, but for the here and now, 
and it's fitting that we suffer a little while before we enter into glory before God eternally comforts us. And Christmas is always a difficult time, especially for those who have lost loved ones. And I say lost very loosely because we're not lost if we're in Christ. You know, this year we've had a number of just really pillars of Trinity Baptist Church, saints that have been here and served this church well who have gone to be with the Lord. I miss them, but I, I can't imagine you who are their families. You know, this is a hard season for those who have had loved ones who have gone to be with Christ. What I want to encourage you with this morning is to realize Jesus is the bridge. And Jesus is the one in whom we can find an eternal rest, even in our trials, even in our sorrows, even in the brokenness of this life. The urge that we know He will fulfill because He's, he's fulfilled it over and over and over and over again. Even in our pain and our hurt, we have a joy, and we can rejoice this Christmas season, even in a sorrowful reminder of those who are no longer with us. We have a peace and a joy that can pass all understanding. Rest in Christ. Rejoice in Him this Christmas season. Hear His Word, Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, where He says, Come unto Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here is words that apply not just to thinking of those who have gone on before us, but to every aspect of our life, really. We we often read this passage, this is words in Psalm 14 at at a funeral, but it's really meant not just for that, it's life's altogether in everything we go through. Where Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) Not just as you grieve a loved one who's gone to be with Jesus and is no no longer with us, but through everything you go through. Every burden you face, every suffering that this life has, He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Then He makes this promise. In my Father's house, or not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again get you to receive where I am being. And then later in that same chapter, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you know the consolation of Israel? Do you know the, the God of all comfort? If you do, rest in Him. Rejoice in Him this Christmas season. Notice secondly, Not only did this child bring consolation, notice also he brought salvation. Trust in him. Verse 30, Simeon proclaims, For my eyes your salvation. God's salvation. The, The work of God bring about the salvation of humanity. Meaning, entailing, that we without him aren't saved. We without Him are dead in our sins and our trespasses. That we without God's work, without God's redemptive plan coming forth, without bringing about the means of our salvation, we'd never be saved, but thank God He did provide a way. Christ did come to this earth. That Jesus did live upon this earth perfectly in a perfect obedience to the Father. That Jesus did give His life a ransom upon that cross for sinners, even as His name entails. The name Jesus means what? Yahweh saves. God is salvation. He's 
announced. We've read it a number of times before by the angels. That was to be His name. Why? Because He will save His people from their sins. We find the first promise of this all the way back in Genesis 3.15. You don't need to turn there, but you know the passage. Eve has sinned. Adam has sinned. They're, They're being pronounced under the curse of sin with all the consequences of sin and being expelled from the garden. And yet, in the middle of all of this judgment, there's a promise that God makes. And He says, there will be one who will come of the seed of the woman who will do what? Crush the head of the serpent. There's going to be one who will come who will not succumb to temptation. He will overcome temptation. There will be one who comes who does not fall into temptation and sin and therefore brings the curse of sin upon all creation as Adam did. But there will be one who will come and who will actually overcome sin and death in the grave. And He will crush the head of the serpent. He will undo all that Adam did wrongly in the Garden of Eden. And you realize that that, that Simeon knew this promise of God. Simeon, I know, knew by the Holy Spirit that the Anointed One of Israel, the Consolation of Israel, would not only bring this super for our hearts that lasts for just a, a moment in the afflictions of this life, but He would be the One who would bring about the eternal salvation for any and all who turn to Him. That He would be the One who could look to a person and say, your sins are forgiven you. He would be the one who would not only die upon a cross, but He would be the one who would step out of the grave three days later and have power over death itself, victory over death itself, and give that victory to you and me. Jesus has brought salvation. He looks and He says, My eyes have seen Your salvation, God. Your plan that You are working to redeem fallen sinful man. But don't miss verse 31, verse 31, which You have prepared before the face of just the Jews. Of just ethnic Israel. No. Of just those in Palestine and Israel. No. He says before the face of all people. So what we celebrate is not an American holiday. It's not a Christian holiday only for us. That this message of God's work of salvation through this infant child who was born, Simeon is holding him up and saying, this is the one who is salvation for all people everywhere. For all the peoples. And imagine he knew well the prophecy of Isaiah. Verse 6 of chapter 49 where it's speaking of the Messiah. And it reads, Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That God is doing a work there in this small, little, remote area of Jerusalem. Even as big as Jerusalem was for our Old Testament history, Jerusalem and Israel is nothing compared to the expanse of Rome and the Roman Empire in that day and age. And yet God is doing something there. And He did something there that would affect the entirety of the world, of all people everywhere, that He would create a means by which you and I, sinful human beings under the curse of sin, can be saved. 
There's salvation under no other name but the name of Jesus, it says in the book of Acts. The book of Acts even traces the, the spreading of the gospel, of the story of Jesus and His salvation to the ends of the earth. That's the, the book of Acts as it starts in Jerusalem, goes out to the uttermost parts of the earth. And hear me, God is still about that work of getting the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're taking a Lottie Moon offering up this month in order to get the gospel to people who need it because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but that name of Jesus. He is God's salvation for humanity. You come to Jesus and only to Jesus in order to find salvation for your sin. This child brought salvation. Trust in Him. Thirdly, Notice, thirdly, this child brought revelation. Revelation. Believe upon Him. Receive Him. Verse 32. He says, A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. A light. You know, we've got lights here on the stage. And and lights, get this, lights light up the room so that we may what? We may see. The, the, the Bible, when it uses the word light, it represents intellectual truth, knowledge that is true about God and who God is, and therefore about who we are in light of who God is. Light represents that Jesus is the truth that is sent from God to reveal God to humanity and to reveal humanity to humanity, that our, we're not what we ought to be, that we're not holy. But light is also moral purity. Uh, represents moral purity in the Bible. Truth and moral purity, that He is the, as He became human flesh, the one that we ought to be, one that Adam should have been, the, the most perfect human that's ever been, what we ought to have been as God created us, Jesus was. Jesus says, well, let's talk about the glory of Israel. Glory of Israel, Shekinah glory in the Old Testament. Shekinah meaning the dwelling glory of God. That in the Old Testament, the God would actually descend through this appearance of this Shekinah glory, this bright radiance upon the tabernacle, upon the temple. He would fill the Holy of Holies. That, that glory of God pictured an evidence before the people that God was truly with them, that God was the one true living God, and that God would not leave them nor forsake them, that God dwelt amongst His people. And here, this title given to Jesus, He's the glory of your people Israel. He is that glory of God manifested, that we know God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. He he revealed the Father to us, so much so that, that He told His apostles, hey, when you see Me, you have seen the Father. So much so that He recorded of Him in John 1 and verse 14 that the world, uh, Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not, never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Colossians 2 and verse 9 says that in Him, in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3, says that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, how? By His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the worlds, who 
hear this, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It says in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the express image of the glory of God. And if we want to know who God is, we look to Jesus that we see the fullness of the Godhead indwelt bodily, that we find in the only begotten Son of God uh, grace and truth revealing the glory of God to us. If you want God, you must come through Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you have Christ, you have God. If you do not have Christ, you do not have God. Jesus is the grand revelation of God to us. We must believe in Him. Alright, so we'll review before the fourth and last. This child brought consolation. Rest in Him. This child brought salvation. You are to trust in Him. This child brought revelation. You're, you're to believe upon Him. Receive Him. Receive the truth of who He is. And now fourthly and lastly, notice this child also brought polarization. Yeah, I struggled to come up with that word, but I think it fits. Polarization, meaning a dividing into two categories without a middle ground. There's north and there's south, and there's nothing in between, because when something is polarized, it, it's going to go to one of two ends. And the work and the life of Jesus was one that Mary and Joseph did not understand, Mary especially in that moment, that Simeon had a revelation about, that, that the life of Jesus was not going to be a grand spectacle of reception and adoration and praise and an ushering in of the kingdom in a way that they had thought. Where Rome would be conquered and heaven on earth would come. But the Messiah would actually be one who would come unto His own and His own would not receive Him. And so it says that Simeon in verse 34 blessed them and said to his mother, speaking now to Mary, he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and for the rising of many in Israel. But what he's saying is there are going to be some like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes that were the rulers and religious elite of the day. They were in the upper tier of what you would think of, of the, the leadership spiritually even of the day. And he says, this, this one, this child, this infant who can't even hold his head up right now, I would imagine, as a, a, a newborn baby. This infant would lead, his life would lead to the, the rising and the falling of many in Israel. Many who are seemingly religious and, and high will be brought low, and some who are low will be elevated to a place of exaltation. Those who are so hypocritical will be revealed for their hypocrisy. And those who in their humble brokenness even in their often buffoonery, the disciples will be elevated to a place of honor, a place of exaltation. He'll be for a sign which will be spoken against. He's going to be the stone upon which the, the church is built, but He's also going to be the stumbling block that so many will trip over. And, and look at this, He says to Mary, Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul. I wonder what Mary imagined. I don't think she understood the fullness of what she would endure as she would watch as her own people shout out, crucify Him, crucify Him. And 
as they mocked and spat upon him and beat him and nailed him to a cross and murdered him, Mary is looking at her child. Mary is looking at her son. Sword that pierced through your own soul, Mary. Why that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed because Jesus doesn't leave anyone in a lukewarm middle ground territory. When it comes to Jesus, you're on one side or the other. There is a polarization where you must make the call. Is He Lord and Savior, or is He a lunatic and a a liar? Is He one that I am to surrender my life to and, and follow after and worship Him? Worship Him as God, because He's God incarnate, because He's King of kings and Lord of lords, and He demands my obedience, and therefore I'll give it up. I'll give up all that I am for Him and follow after Him. I'll worship Him, or I'll scoff at Him and I'll turn away. I'll make a mockery of him, and he becomes a stumbling block. There is no middle ground, as we've seen in the life of Christ, and even as we see today, this morning, it is a divisive question when I ask you, what do you make of Jesus? What do you, this morning, make of Jesus? Is He Lord and Savior? Is He worthy of your worship? Are you living your life for Him and for His glory? Or is he not? This child brought consolation. We are to rest in him. He brought salvation. We're to trust in him. He is the revelation of God to us. We are to believe upon him. But he is a polarizing individual because he is salvation and he alone is exclusive. Do you know Christ? Are you worshiping him as Lord and as Savior? I can only imagine. Simeon holding this child and knowing the fullness of what his life would entail. Making this proclamation for Mary and Joseph to marvel at, it says. And for us even this morning to ponder and to apply. I hope you know Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you do, as I close in prayer, worship Him. If you don't, You need to repent. You need to turn to Him. And you need to leave here resting and trusting and believing and worshiping. Heavenly Father, we come to You and I pray You would work. Work through Your Word as it has been proclaimed to bring both conviction, instruction, encouragement to Your people. Lord, may we not be so distracted with the giving of gifts and the beauty of lights and just the busyness of the season that we fail to stop every day and say thank you for Christ. Lord, it's only because of Him that we are saved. It's only because of Him that we know You. It's only because of Him that we have a life worthy of living. Lord, remind us all of that and help us even today to live in Your grace and walk in Your grace. Lord, if there be one here who's never come to know that, come to see it, never come to believe it, may they now repent and find that you're a God who saves. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.